and coming to you live on about 12 different places. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, I don't know. I've tried to set it all up. Who knows if it's working, but we're going to be talking about the existence of the soul and a particular argument that I didn't necessarily make up, but I have to tell you, I made it more original, and I think you're going to like it. The existence of the soul based upon Star Trek. All right, just get that down. Let's get started. I think theology is for the clergy. I just believe in Jesus. Certain hermeneutics of eschatology demand an exegetical approach. I think you shouldn't question what you were taught in church. Isn't that blasphemy or something? Theology. Theology. Unplugged. Okay, I want to talk about the existence of the soul. The existence of the soul implies, of course, the existence of God, because we're talking about the existence of the transcendent. And when I talk about the soul, I'm just talking about the spirit-soul relationship, the immaterial part of us. I know there's a big debate about dichotomy and trichotomy. Are we made up of body, soul, slash spirit, or body, soul, and spirit, three elements? I think it's a dichotomy. I think the soul and the spirit are the same thing. It's just the immaterial part of us that necessarily, due to the fall, has to be has to have a breach in our constitution so that it can exist until we get our bodies back. We are supposed to exist with our bodies. This is we we, we are not meant to be just soulless beings ever. While whenever we die, those of us who are believers will be with Christ, we will still have an anticipation wanting to get our soul back. But talking about the soul, if you, I'm, I'm not saying that if you prove the existence of the soul, you've automatically proved the existence of God, but it is an important aspect that makes people uh, reconsider their entire worldview. Now, as well, whenever you're talking about the existence of the soul, there are people out there that you know, believe in ghosts or believe in spirits, believe that your bot, that your spirit survives your, your, uh, death. Uh, and it, it, it is, it, it, it it's kind of like an energy, the conservation of energy to where you have some form of existence after death. And I've heard people actually atheists actually make the argument. They believe in the soul, but they don't believe in God. They just believe in a conservation of energy after death. Now, I think there's all kinds of problems with that, but at the same time, that's all I'm trying to say is whenever you, uh, whenever you are able to give a defense for the existence of the soul, a, a compelling defense, it doesn't necessarily always lead to God, but there is a path that God makes it easier to understand these things because you do have the existence of something that is non-material, that goes beyond the material. And uh, continues on after death. And of course that fits in with the Christian worldview. Fits in with the worldview of 95% of the history of the world as well. That have believed in the existence of the soul. And one of the reasons people have always believed in the existence of the soul. Is be- partly because of what I'm going to talk about here. Mainly, I mean uh, it could be mainly because of what I'm talking about here. If you have any questions or you want to talk. Please chat in the chat box i i'm supposed to get uh messages from anybody that is on here i'm gonna go ahead and type chat real quick 
uh, type something. I'm going to put type. Or, no, no, I'll put hello. And you can see, maybe, that that came through for you. Don't know if it came through for you. Um, but what I'm saying here is that if you say something, I should get it. And I'll be looking at this and check to see if anybody has any questions. Remember to subscribe. That is something very important. Wherever you're at, subscribe. If you are listening to us on on um, uh, one of the podcast catchers, you're just listening to The Voice, you can get it through video at YouTube or various other places. But just go to YouTube. Go go look for Credo House. We'll have it up at Rumble and at YouTube, but we're primarily using YouTube right now. And if you're on the Camaro Theologian, that is a big, big, uh, or a YouTube account that I've had that I haven't been using much because I switched over to Credo House. Please, Camaro Theologian subscribers, go over to the Credo House. Someday I may get a Camaro back <laughs> if, if, I, if I get rich. And uh, no, no, you don't need to be rich to get a Camaro, but I love Camaros. It's my favorite kind of car. Side point. Don't need to talk about that. Don't need to talk about how sad I am that my Camaro is gone and how much I've cried about it. But if you're at Camaro Theologian, go to Credo House on YouTube and you, you can subscribe there because that's where you'll see me. So make sure you subscribe. Make sure you click the little button so that you get messages. So here's what I'm going to talk about. The, the maybe uh, the compelling part of maybe why you clicked on this whenever you did is because I talk about the Star Trek ex uh, argument for the existence of God. Now, there's not really a Star Trek argument for the existence of God, um, other than what I've said. There's not an official one. But I've thought about this quite often. I really, It really came to be whenever, with me, more than anything else, whenever I was watching the movie Prestige. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Highly underrated movie. It's it's a great movie. Hugh Jackman and... Uh, and uh, uh, whoever that guy is that played Batman uh, back before uh, the guy that's played him now, <laughs> the, two th the Dark Knight Batman. But uh, it's about a magician and a magician who's, who's in competition with another magician. And set back in the 19th century, and these two guys fight back and forth trying to have the better tricks. And uh, Hugh Jackman's character goes to Tesla and asks him to build him something that would that would wow his audience. Now, Tesla is a scientific man, so he was building scientific things, but at the same time, what he did, what he ended up doing was, oh, I forget what it was called, the transporting man, I think. But he built him this device that he would walk into, and then he would disappear from that device, uh, or... or he would reappear somebody somewhere else. What would happen is the the, uh, the doors would drop out from underneath him. He would fall down, and then another version of him would appear. It all started out whenever Tesla was testing this out, and he was trying to do something. But every time he would do this hat, he would all this electricity would come down from this device, and the hat would stay where it's at instead of disappearing. Tesla expected it to disappear. Eventually, he realized that there's hundreds of hats out about 50 yards away from where he is at outside. And so what it was doing was replicating the hat, making an exact duplicate of the hat and putting it somewhere else. And so eventually uh, he, he tested it out on other things, cats and, and such like that. And then he gave it over to Hugh Jackman's character. And Hugh Jackman used this 
in his uh, in his the prestige, the the great uh, reveal of his magic show, the the greatest act that he had at the end of it to beat the other guy, who also had a um, uh, a similar trick but wasn't as good because it wasn't real. It was actually a trick. This was producing. Hugh Jackman, he would get in it, lightning would come down before the audience, all these electricity things would come down on him, and he would drop into the, he would make himself drop into this big, uh, this big container of water, and it would close on him, and he would drown. But a new version of him would appear, and it would appear, say, on the, behind the audience, and all of a sudden, the audience would look within a couple of seconds, and here he is with a prestige. Here I am, uh, you know, a, a revealing to everybody what he had done. And the whole crowd just goes crazy. How did he do that? Because within a, you know, one second, he moved 100 yards, and uh, it's just impossible. So this was a great magic act. But the problem was that Hugh Jackman's character had a very, he had a philosophical dilemma a dilemma trying to understand who was who. Because basically what this thing did was produce an exact replica of himself somewhere else. And he didn't know which one was truly him. So he chose the one that revealed himself to the audience because he was the one who the audience loved, or the audience would turn to and cheer, and he wanted to be that guy. He would make the other one, the original one, that dropped down into the water, he'd make him die. So he killed him over and over again every night. So he had all these, all these versions of himself and all these containers underneath the stage while he kept on reproducing himself to the audience. And it was a crazy thing because the dilemma, the philosophical dilemma and theological was which one was really him. I mean, if they're exact replicas, you know, I mean, how in the world do you decide which one is truly you? Now, the question is, at that point, which one, you have to define the you. What does it mean to be you? Does it mean to be you just having a physical body and a material self that has DNA has a past with all these memories and everything else. Is that who you are? Does that make up the sum total of who, who you are? Your DNA, your material self, and your memories. And so if you re reproduce that, is that also you? Which one is the true you? Quote, unquote, you. Now this was also a dilemma in Star Trek, especially when they first started making transporters. If you are a Star Trek fan, uh, you'll understand this. But if you're not a Star Trek fan, you'll, you'll, I can still make you understand it because you probably know what to transport was in Star Trek. You would get in this little uh, this little area that they had set up, and somebody would transport you. You would slowly disappear and then reappear somewhere else, say from the ship to a planet. And, of course, that was you, right? Which uh, You weren't having the same dilemma as Hugh Jackman was because there was no longer an original you. There was only the you that got uh, that was on the planet that reappeared. That the uh, uh, the molecule, um, uh, molecules came back together and formed you once again. And so Dr. McCoy Bones, he was always scared to get in the transporter. 
I mean, for multiple reasons, he was scared to get in the transporter. But one of the dilemmas, when you're talking about transporting from one place to another, is, is this, how, how is this really you? If you're being broken down in the transporter to your very molecular structure, all of your, uh, uh, your molecules are disappearing, is it, just re, uh, is it just creating a facsimile, an exact replica of yourself down on the planet? So basically, this one disappears, and then the, sh- the ship has a computer that can put new molecules back together down on the planet that have the same DNA, the same memory, the same body, everything else. Down, I mean, so, so is that really you? And so the dilemma is, is it just a recreation of you? So, and, and does a recreation of you count as being you? Let me put it one other way. I did this in a blog recently. You can see the blog down in the comments here at, uh, on YouTube. I'll try to put it in other places. But I just did a blog. And let's say that your son breaks his arm. And he is a, he's the star pitcher for a baseball team. He's 14 years old, star pitcher for a baseball team. And the next day they have the finals. He's going to the Kids World Series. And it's the last game of the World Series, game seven. And um, he goes to the doctor and the doctor says, I got this new machine and it can solve your problem. What it does is when you walk through this portal your old self, the one that has the broken arm, disappears, but a brand new version of yourself, or you're, you're, uh, the exact replica of yourselves, is reproduced. Kind of like the transporter, or just kind of like the transporting man. Uh, but again, you disappear, the old self disappears, the new self comes out. And so this new son comes out, and he has the same memories, same personality, same DNA, same everything as before and he even thinks he's himself because he has all those memories so therefore is that okay and the the it, would you put your son through something like that if it got invented and let me tell you something this is not as far off as you think it is because when we're talking about all the computer modifications that are going on and all the stuff that elon musk is doing and the chips that people are putting in your brain and the, the ability that we have now to create artificial intelligence, it's not that far off to think that they can someday take your brain and basically replicate it in a computer, uh, all of your memories and everything else, and then eventually take your DNA and reconstruct it. Okay. Now, I don't think they'll be able to reconstruct your DNA as, uh, say, a human body, but let's say they could. Let's say in the future we're able to do that. And so you're about to die, and you say, hey, I don't want to die. And so they say, well, let's just upload you to this computer, and we'll wait until the day that we can reconstruct your DNA, and then we'll take these computer files and process them down into this new mind. Would that be you? Is it actually you? Is it the same person? Whenever we talk about the me, whenever I talk about the me, and I say, uh, whenever I think about myself, I usually don't think of myself as a, as a, you know, uh, a grouping of brain cells and synapses, and I don't think of myself, whenever I think of myself, I don't think of myself as my foot, I don't think of myself as my heart. I mean, usually it is somewhere in your brain up here that you, where you feel you exist, 
but is it your brain that exists? And whenever you say me, are you talking about your brain, the physical components, the all the connections that are going on there? Is that who you are? Is that the sum total of who you are? If it is the sum total of who you are, then it, then you can be transported. You can go into a computer. You can go through a portal and have your arm fixed. You can be a transported man and uh, uh, create yourself anew. And uh, on that planet, you don't have to worry about it because that is actually you. But let's say you can do that kind of stuff. Let's say you can walk through a portal. Let's say you can upload your brain. Do you really feel comfortable with that? Let's say you, it's not your son, it's you, and you're getting ready to walk through this portal, and what you know is that you will be completely deconstructed, and in that sense, cease to exist, but on the other side, you will come back into existence, but it will just be somebody that has a facsimile copy of your brain, of your body, of everything else. Would you believe that you are still existing? Or is there, does there have to be some type of subsistence of existence, some type of minimal amount of you always existing in the same place uh, from one time to another? One other way to put this, and I did write a blog about this, and uh, you know I've talked about this before recently, but just think of your body. Your body goes through cell reconstruction every seven years. Every cell in your body is brand new, uh, you are not the same person, literally, that you were seven years ago. Uh, scientific fact, it's just the truth, look it up. You are not the same person physically that you were seven years ago. But do you think you're the same person physically as you were seven years ago? See, you've, you've gone through a transition, a complete transition, just like the transporter. But what's the difference? The difference is you never cease to exist. You always had a minimal subsistence of existence one way or another. Even if you were asleep for seven years and you woke up, you would still know that you're the same person. Why is that? Why do we understand ourselves to be more than just the chemical makeup, the, the uh, physical makeup, the DNA that we have in our brain, the synapses that hit? Why are we more than our memories? Uh, if we're just our memories, then you can upload yourself. You can upload your memories. And then you will exist in a state of, in a computer uh, held hard drive for a while. You will still be there. But we see ourselves as something more. Everybody sees themselves as something more. And if you really did believe that in the transporter, you're in Star Trek and you're stepping up on that transporter pad. You really do believe that all these molecules deconstruct and you cease to exist for a moment, but the molecules, different molecules construct again, it, it pulls them from somewhere else, it recreates you and just places your, I'm not saying this is how a transporter works in Star Trek, but let's just say it reconstructs you based upon all the d DNA and everything else that is, that is available, say, on that planet but it gives you your same memories and everything else. You probably would not go in that. If you were to walk through this portal and the portal uh, on one side you cease to exist, but on the other side you come out as an exact replica, you probably wouldn't. I, I'm betting, I, I, I can almost assure that if you're honest with yourself, you would never walk through that portal. You know why? Because you do not believe in a naturalistic worldview. You really do not. 
you believe there is something that transcends your your body, your physical elements, your brain, your DNA, your uh, brain cells, and all the firing that your brain cells do. You believe that you transcend that. You believe that you are more than that. And so even though every seven years we reconstruct ourselves physically, we know there is something subsisting. There is something existing. There is some continuity, something holding you as a continuous person from one seven from seven years ago. You're still the same person. But if you're a if you are a naturalist, if you if you do not believe in anything but the brain cells and the body cells, and that's all there is. There's nothing that transcends it. You're not really you. You're not the same as you were seven years ago. And as I've said before, the entire court system assumes the existence of the soul. The entire justice system of every place on the planet uh, always has always assumed the existence of the soul. They've never assumed a materialistic worldview. Otherwise, every seven years, you would have to let everybody out of the prisons because this, they're not the same person they were physically as they were back then. They're completely different. And you cannot hold them accountable for crimes that somebody else committed. But you believe that you are you. You believe that whenever you go into that transporter, unless, and I have thought about this before, if the transporter was a wormhole to where the same exact cells that your spirit soul have to subsist in, have to have the continuity with, like we do every seven years, um, if you have that, that is transported uh, through a wormhole, so it's the exact same as cells, then I could understand going through the transporter. So it's basically, you're slowly disappearing, and those same cells at the same time, to the same degree as they are uh, 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 disappearing, are reappearing, in another place so the exact same so basically you're just walking through a wormhole it's still the same you but if you're deconstructed and then reconstructed then it's not the same you it's just a facsimile of you it's just like the transporting man he had 10 or 12 of them that were more than that because he did it so often but all these people uh, all, all and every time he went down there uh, or the first time he went down there and he realized that that uh, it would transported, and in the end, there was two people, one the original and one the new one. The new one shot the old one and killed him. And the old one was like, no, 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 it's really me. <laughs> well, if there's the existence of the soul, you can't have the soul, the same soul, in two different places. You can have the soul subsisting in a body that is being reconstructed all the time. You can have a soul that leaves the body and carries the essence of that person until the resurrection, but you cannot cease to exist and then reappear to exist and still be the same person. You are somebody that's completely different. That's why soul sleep, that's why, uh, you know, the I think it's the Jehovah's Witness and uh, the Seventh-day Adventists who believe in soul sleep. And the type of soul sleep that they often argue for is the type of soul sleep where you die, you cease to exist. That's kind of the sleeping. You, you sleep on the ground, but you're actually ceasing to exist. Your soul ceases to exist. And then you get resurrected. God brings you back into creation 
out of nothing. He creates you again, and then you have judgment. Well, if that was the case, you really couldn't have judgment. God couldn't judge you because it's not the same you that died. It's not the same you that committed the sins. It's not the same you that rejected him. It's just this carbon copy of you, this facsimile. And facsimiles are not the originals. I mean, we know that. There's something that subsists within the original, something that has continuity that holds the originals together. And I think it's a fascinating argument. It's an important argument because it's very visceral. It's not one that you say logically. I mean, logically, you could say, well, I mean, if I'm going to be consistent and I'm going to be a naturalist, yeah, you're right. Um, it is a brand new facsimile copy of me, but I'm okay with that because that's the way that it is. And you could say, if you were consistent as a naturalist or an atheist, same thing, naturalism and atheism, uh, materialism, atheism, same thing. But if you, you could be consistent and say, ah, I'm an atheist, but I, I understand that I'm not the same person as I was seven years ago. That is true. I'm truly not. I just think I am. What if you were created today? Let's say you were just created today and you had all, God created you with all of the memories that you have right now. You think you've lived, you know, however many years beforehand, but you were just newly created. Would that, would, the, would you really be the person you were in your mind? Did that person truly exist? No, it's just the memories of that person truly existed, but that person never truly existed. So whenever there's a new creation of you with all these memories, all these characteristics, all this personality, yes, it's there, it's truly there, but that does not represent that which came before it. It just seems to. So you, if you were a consistent atheist, you would have to say, set all the prisons free after every seven years. You would. Tell me how you want it. It would be impossible for you to to make an argument otherwise and remain a naturalist, you would have to believe that there is something that transcends the body that subsists on who you are that at a minimal amount keeps who you are intact. And we call that the soul. So I believe that everybody believes in a soul. I really do. I believe that people deny their belief in the soul, but they really do believe that there's a soul. So this is the Star Trek argument for the existence of the soul, or the prestige argument, or as I've called it also here at uh, my Patreon page, it is called the argument for the existence of the soul based upon hypothetical replication. Like I said, this is not something that is brand new, but in the way I'm putting it, it's just a new, fresh way to look at it, the subsistence of the soul. I thank you all for being here. I want you guys to know that I appreciate so much all of your support, everything that you do for me, and that you, you love what I'm doing. I have to say I'm sorry to my Patreon people from last night. I had an injury on my rib, and I couldn't even sit up until today and it got a lot better so if you've been praying for me thank you so much it was a workout injury and i i really believe that i crushed my ribs uh but it, it is feeling much better now patreon speaking of patreon let's see if i can get to that page here uh, maybe i can't oh here we go patreon 
become a Patreon member. That's the way you, that you support me most of all. You can support directly at Credo House or at Credo Courses and just click on uh, the uh, support or donate. That is fine. But I'd much rather you become a patron. Right now we've got 90 members and we're building. It's becoming more and more. And there's all kinds of levels that you can become a patron at. Uh, $3 level all the way up to a, I don't know, it, it's it's a lot more, 100 250 500 or even a $1,000 a month Patreon. I don't expect anybody to do the $1,000 a month, but I just put it up there just in case. I might pay it, put uh, $10,000 a month, just in case, you know, one of you guys are wanting to support at that level. But this is the way that I get things done. There's a lot of things that I need. I mean, I need a brand new computer right now because as you've probably watched and seen this, things are glitchy and it's because my computer's too slow and it can't handle all this stuff and the streaming there's there's a lot of things that i need to do that i need a little bit more of an upgrade on the equipment but i thank you all for watching this please become a patreon please subscribe to this and we will see you next